0: Hey one, this is Jomani Nomadi, personal astrophysicist, Rohit Akrawal, right there, bringing you a brand new episode for our podcast, Astrophysicast. And this is basically the fourth episode of our season number three, which was dedicated to stars. We have talked about star formation, characteristics of stars, then about compact stars and now this is our fourth episode and in this we will be talking about solar atmosphere. I think uh, we should be starting with something relatable. So this is what this idea of you know uh, talking about solar atmosphere came in. Because sun is the most known star to us. So today I am accompanied by with two of our science communicators Aman Mohan and Krishna. So hi guys. Hi.
1: Hi, hi Rohit. So, yeah, Sun's atmosphere, right? So, I'll just give you a basic introduction, right? And basically, there are several layers uh, for the Sun's atmosphere. And there's mainly the photosphere, the chromosphere, and then the corona. Not the corona, which we are familiar with right now. It's another corona. It's a layer of the Sun. And it's in these outer layers that the Sun's energy, which has bubbled up from the Sun's interior layers over the course of a million years, is detected as sunlight. So, Krishna, why don't you tell us about the first, the lowest layer of the sun's atmosphere, which is the photosphere.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, as Aman mentioned, the lowest layer of sun's atmosphere is the photosphere, the innermost layer that we can observe directly. It takes about eight minutes for sunlight to reach Earth. The temperature of the photosphere ranges from 11,000 degrees Fahrenheit to uh, at the bottom to 7,460 Fahrenheit at the top. Photosphere is significantly cooler than uh, than temperature at the sun's core uh, which can reach about 27 million Fahrenheit. The sun's uh, photosphere is about 300 miles thick which is relatively thin when compared with the sun's radius which is around 435,000 miles uh, in a kilometer, let's say 700,000 kilometers. The photosphere is marked by bright bubbling granules of plasma and darker cooler sunspots which emerge when the Sun's magnetic field break through the surface. I mean, do you know how astronomers realized that the Sun rotates on its axis?
1: Yeah, so they spotted the sunspot to move across the Sun's disk, right? And observing this motion led astronomers to realise that the Sun rotates on its own axis, right? So, consider Earth. Earth is actually a solid planet, right? So, almost all the points on Earth rotates uh, at the same rate. But since the sun is a ball of gas with no solid form, different regions rotate at different rates and the sun's equatorial regions rotate in about 24 days while the polar regions take more than 30 days to make a complete rotation. So Krishna why don't you tell us more about the rotation part of the solar sun.
2: Yeah uh, so at the equator the solar rotation period is about 24.47 days which is also called sidereal rotation period. and it should not be confused with the another period which is synodic rotation period of 26.24 days uh, which uh, which can be defined as the time for a fixed feature on a CERB to rotate the same apparent position as viewed from Earth. The synodic period is longer because Sun must rotate for a sidereal period plus extra amount due to the orbital motion of Earth around the Sun. Note this point that in astrophysical literature, uh, this uh, they do not typically use the equatorial rotation period, but they instead use the definition of Carrington rotation, uh, which is a synodic rotation period of 27.27 day or a sidereal period of 25.30 days. This chosen period is roughly correspond to prograde rotation at latitude of 26 degree north or south. Which is consistent with typical latitude of sunspot and corresponding periodic solar activity. When the sun is viewed from north uh, about uh, Earth's north pole, solar rotation is counterclockwise. So for instance, a person standing on North Pole, sunspot would appear to move from left to right across the sun's face. Aman, I why don't you tell us about the second layer, which is the chromosphere?
1: Sure, sure, Krishna. Uh, so, as the name suggests, chromosphere literally translates into sphere of light. Okay, and the layer above the photosphere is the chromosphere. The chromosphere emits a reddish glow as superheated hydrogen burns off, and it is normally not visible because its density is very low and due to the excessive brightness of the photosphere. And this chromosphere thus can only be seen during a complete solar eclipse. So, how does this work? During the total eclipse, the moon hides the photosphere and makes way for the reddish chromosphere to be seen. And one of the important features of the chromosphere is the presence of spicules on its edges. So spicules are long and thin uh, finger-like gaseous spikes which rise through the chromosphere. And the spectrum of chromosphere has emission emission lines, with H-alpha lines being the strongest of emission lines. And it is the H-alpha emission which actually gives the chromosphere its reddish color. Okay and the red rim can be seen when this H-alpha burns at a high temperature during a total solar eclipse and the chromosphere may also play a role in conducting heat from the interior of the sun to its outermost layer the corona and we see certain kinds of solar seismic waves channeling upwards into this chromosphere and from there into the corona and this research gives gives us a new viewpoint to look at waves that can contribute to the energy of the atmosphere So, uh, let's go go to the next layer, which is Corona. Uh, Rohit, why don't you lead us with
0: Corona? Indeed, I'd love to talk about Corona. The third layer of the sun's atmosphere is the Corona. Like the chromosphere, the sun's Corona can only be seen during a total solar eclipse. When an eclipse of the sun is total, the solar uh, Corona can be seen as a white halo around the black disk of the moon. Except during a total eclipse, the sky is too bright for the faint Corona to be visible. Though it extends for many times the size of the sun's yellow disk, the light of the corona comes partly from glowing atoms and partly from sunlight scattering of electrons and dust particles. Temperature in the sun's corona can get as high as 3.5 million degrees Fahrenheit. For reference, 2 million degrees I know that's too huge. As the gases cool, they become the solar wind. Why the corona is up to 300 times hotter than the photosphere, despite being further from the solar core, has remained a long-term mystery. And there are two, uh, and there are two theories proposed to this. Things usually get cooler further away from the hot source when you are roasting a marshmallow, or uh, you move it closer to the fire to cook it, not further away. There are many plausible explanations regarding the one uh, regarding this one explanation is wave heating theory proposed in 1949 by every showsman proposes that waves carry energy from the solar interior to the solar chromosphere and corona the sun is made of plasma rather than ordinary gas so it supports several types of waves analogous to sound waves in air in a simpler words if the corona is heated primarily near the photosphere and the heat then travels upward to the entire corona or if the corona may be heated more uniformly in altitude. Possible heating methods could include the damaging of acoustic waves generated by the convection of heat from the solar interior, heating by the damping of all uh, allven waves of produced in the solar photosphere that propagate outward from the sun and heating by the occurrence of micro solar flares and the second and the second explanation being research suggests that tiny explosions uh, known as nanoflares may help push the temperature by the by providing sporadic bursts reaching up to 18 million degrees fahrenheit that is fahrenheit the explosions are called nano flares because they have one billionth of energy of a regular flare. Despite being tiny by solar standards, each package of well of a 10 megaton hydrogen bomb. Millions of them are going off every second across the sun and collectively they heat the corona. Aman.
1: So yeah, the third explanation is actually that scientists say that there are giant super tornadoes may also play a role in heating the sun's outer layer. Okay. And these solar twisters are a combination of hot, hot flowing gas and tangled magnetic field lines, ultimately driven by a nuclear reaction in the solar core. And based on the detected events, we estimate that at least 11,000 swirls are present on the sun at all times.
2: Yeah. Uh, so guys, let's talk Krishna, about the you. plasma structure of Corona. But before that, did you guys know why we were chilling home uh, during the pandemic? Uh, on July 3, 2021, the sun surprised us with an enormous solar flare, the largest since 2017. The solar flare uh, occurred from a sunspot called AR2838. The flare was so large that it caused the brief radio blackout on the Earth. So let's get back to the plasma structure. The plasma structure of solar corona even without the occurrence of CME, which is the coronal mass ejection, is quite complicated and dynamic, often exhibiting in e- eclipse uh, photograph long, intense radial streamers and huge arches. Large changes in the corona occur during the courses of solar cycle. During solar minimum, the corona across each of two polar regions of sun is considerably cooler than in equatorial region. Cooler coronal regions are referred to as the coronal holes are regions in which solar magnetic fields tend to be more open and external interplanetary space. While during sunspot maximum times, coronal halls tend to be very much more limited in extent and can occur at any location on the sun. Aman, what do you know about solar wind?
1: Okay so solar wind is actually a constant stream of particles flowing from the sun's corona with temperature of about a million degrees and velocity of about 450 kilometers per second and the solar wind reaches beyond pluto's orbit with heliosphere located roughly at 100 to 120 astronomical units and the solar wind is mainly composed of electrons and protons set free from the sun's abundant hydrogen atoms but it also contains heavier ions and magnetic fields and this perpetual solar gale brushes past the planets and engulfs them carrying the sun's atmosphere out into the interstellar space at the rate of a million tons every second and what is the heliosphere so heliosphere is actually a rapidly expanding solar atmosphere uh, which create uh, the solar wind which creates a large bubble called the heliosphere that shields our solar system from the interstellar plasma and magnetic fields and most of the cosmic rays and does that comprise the local galactic neighbourhood.
0: Okay guys, stop now. Because, because you know, uh, this has been so formal and informative throughout, so I've saved best for the last. I've created some interesting facts related to solar atmosphere and now I'll be presenting them one by one, so hold on tight. Okay, uh, so the first one being, do you know that mass of solar atmosphere is equal to the mass of indian ocean and is equal to mass of photosphere <laughs> that's insane actually I, actually that's quite interesting for me like you know uh, we can compare something that large to something that small in comparison like you know uh, sun is itself too wide and then you know its uh, atmosphere and then we can compare it to Indian Ocean and that seems quite relatable if you think for think of it for a moment and also the mass of Chromosphere is equal to the mass of Earth's atmosphere like you know the Chromosphere is almost uh, you know the mass is almost the same as mass of Earth's atmosphere so like uh, we can say it's quite dense like Earth's atmosphere so yeah guys this was it for our episode content for this this particular episode but there's one thing left we asked you a question in the previous episode which was on which of these factors do habitable zone around a star depend the habitable. So the answer being, the habitable zone depends mostly on two factors, the star's mass and its age. As it evolves, a star changes its, spe- uh, its spectral type, that is its colour which is connected with its surface temperature and luminosity. To determine the location of a star's habitable zone, one must first learn how much total radiation it emits stars more massive than our sun are hotter and blaze with radiation so their habitable zones are further out similarly stars that are smaller and cooler spot tighter belts of habitability than our sun for example the super earth planet called kepler 62f discovered by kepler to orbit in the middle of the habitable zone around a cooler star uh, orbits closer to the to its star than earth the planet just takes about 267 days to complete an orbit as compared to 365 days on Earth. So, this is basically um, a similar, uh, there can be similar explanations for this. But yeah, this is the basic explanation that we can gather for this uh, question. Uh, The answer may depend and the question itself uh, can also vary. Like, you know, the habitable zone is something that we consider by our, uh, you know, our understanding, like the habitable zone that we created for ourselves. Uh, if similar life can evolve at some harsh temperatures then yeah habitable zone is not not it's not a, a major topic then i believe so yeah this was it for the episode uh, we answered the question we are completed with the content and now uh, allow me to say goodbye for today bye